Welcome to the Food About Town podcast. My name is Chris Lindstrom and I'm your host. This week is episode 29 where I talked to Maddie Miller, the head chef from the Owl House. We talked a little bit about his background, which is pretty fascinating considering he didn't go to culinary school and learned everything on the job. Talked a little bit about why he became a chef, some of his favorite restaurants, and got into some good side conversations too. Um, Maddie was nice enough to help us out on our uh, condiment tasting podcast, providing a number of the condiments there. And if you haven't been to the Owl House recently, you really should. It's a great place and doing some of the better drinks in town as well. So hope you enjoy episode 29 and we should have episode 30 coming next week, another podcast about gluten-free topics. So thank you and enjoy. All right, I am here with Maddie Miller from the Owl House. How are you doing today, sir? Great. How are you doing? It's hot. Yeah, it's a it's a hot one. Yeah, especially for guys like us. This is not this is not optimal weather for us. No, absolutely not. No, it's it's hot and muggy and my wife has the right idea. She's out, out in the pool right now, which is <laughs> a much better move than what we're doing, which That's is right. sitting in a small room with microphones. It's nice in here though. Yeah. Got the fan going. The fan the fan is cr- is key for a day like yeah, today. Crucial. Absolutely. So, I was just mentioning as a aside before we actually get started that Every time I hear your name, I always think of Maddie Matheson from Toronto. Yeah. Um, uh, Parts and Labor, yeah, which is a beautiful restaurant on Queen Street. Have you, have you been up to Toronto? I haven't been up to Toronto because I don't have a passport right now, actually. So oh. That's uh, my whole thing is I keep saying, like, but I do this a lot with stuff is I'm like, yeah, I'm going to get one of those enhanced licenses and pop up to Toronto, go to Parts and Labor, go to, I mean, there's a number of great restaurants Oh, just there. a ton. There's Plus the Chinatown. It's the yeah. most convenient Chinatown it, to Rochester. Yeah, right. And, uh, I mean, even, like, going up there to go to, like, a Momofuku or something like that, sure. it's, like, easier than going down to New York City. I also just really don't like New York City that much. It's, like, I don't know what it is. I just don't. I don't like it. It's I, weird. I'm, I'm it's gonna, too claustrophobic and weird for me. Yeah, I'm going to admit something. I mean, I don't know if I've mentioned on the podcast before, but I grew up in Buffalo. I've lived in Rochester for God, almost 14 years now. I've never been to New York City. Yeah. Which, I mean, is really inexcusable to never have at least tried it. Yeah. We're not that far away. Six no. hours. Right. But at the same time, I love Toronto. I mean, it's only yeah, three yeah. hours away. I mean, I, I'm partial because I go up for curling. Sure. I go for curling like two three times a year yeah. to the Toronto area. But... I love the city. It's mm-hmm. it's it's easy to navigate. It's clean. Yeah. It's it's not cheap, but you know it's it's a I mean, big it's, city. Yeah, what do you it's expect? A big city, so yeah. So I met you through Brian Van Etten, who was was the head chef at the Owl House. Yeah, two time head chef at the two, Owl House. Two time head chef. 
the reigning former reigning defending yeah world heavyweight champion yeah. chef of the owl house yeah yeah uh, <laughs> so yeah he he was there once then he was gone then he right. was back again he had, yeah he moved to boston in between that time right uh, working for veggie planet and then open veggie galaxy out there right so i'm sure i'll talk to him about that at yeah. some point when i have him on to talk about the playhouse oh yeah but so where where were you through all of this i mean where, where did you get started and how did you end up where you are now so before the owl house i worked at uh soul burrito over on monroe ave i know soul burrito burrito shop yep so that Very was basically popular. yeah I started working there as a delivery driver shortly after doing that. Uh, it, it ran into some trouble where I was like, well, I'm not going to have a car anymore. So I can't be a delivery driver. Can I maybe like make the food? So I started working in the kitchen there and it just kind of clicked in a way where I was like, yeah, this is easy and I understand this and I kind of like it. Uh, I'll keep doing this for a while. And then it got to the point where it was like, I really like this and I want to do it better. And I want to start learning more about food on my own and just exploring things. And like before that I had been vegan for several years. So I'd already kind of done this whole soul searching food wise once before. And this was like a second part of that where it was like, yeah, I really want to learn how to, how to do these other things, like teach myself all these different techniques and just continue to improve. Yeah, and, uh, I, I think the whole vegetarian vegan thing does open your mind a little bit to different definitely. cooking techniques. Because if you yeah. want it to taste good, you've got to put in the effort. For sure. And I mean, this was a time like, you know, it wasn't too long ago, but that would have been like eight years ago almost at this point, where now you can kind of go and most places you can get something vegan that's at least decent. Right, not and just a salad. Yeah, not just, you know, yeah, or some like a Boca burger with just awful yeah exactly <laughs> just really half-ass stuff but you know so i cooked a lot for myself i had to learn how to make all these things and what i liked and what tasted good to me and what tasted good to other people but without this other whole set of skills that would come later and uh so at a certain point i was like i gotta get the hell out of this burrito shop like uh, there's no place for me to go i've done everything here yeah, it's, it's, is, a, it's a, a burrito good, shop. It right. was like a good place to learn about certain things and to kind of like spark that that uh, drive in me that I want to do more stuff. And uh, But yeah, I, I had to move on. So at the time, uh, I had a bunch of friends who worked at the Owl House. And I was like, yes, seems like a cool place to work. Maybe that could be, that'd be like a good next move. And uh, there was a guy named Brett Wolf who was the head chef there at the time. And he was uh, the second the second person to be the chef there after Brian had left initially. And, um, yeah, I basically sought him out. And he was like, hey, I want a job. Can I get a job here? And he was like, yeah, I mean, uh, maybe. I don't know. What do you want to do? And I was like, I don't care. Just give me a job there. I'll do whatever you want. So at first I ended up working with him at night after the restaurant was closed for uh, two or three hours at a time, just doing random prep work. 
you know, I think that's a great lesson. I've been telling, I've been talking to, you know, some kids sometimes when they're talking about how to, you know, get work after college. Like, yeah. you don't have to right. go to college if you want to work in the restaurant industry. Just, yeah. You do what you have to do. You go, you work for a cool place. For sure. Yeah, and then just, opportunities arise. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing is that, uh, like I've heard people say this before is always that it's not the type of industry where doors are open for you you have to open the door yourself and that's absolutely true uh you know go somewhere and just hey i want a job yeah you got a job i wash dishes like anything anything you know oh you need this done oh somebody didn't show up like there's always that opportunity that you just have to take at some point right um so yeah, it was uh, a real weird setup, and I was kind of this weird uh, guy who came in and worked sometimes with mm-hmm. the chef, and like I really hoped at that time that that was going to turn into a real job, but there was a minute where it felt like, what am I doing right now? <laughs> it was just such a weird thing. Even the other kitchen staff were just like, yeah, so what? You work? Do you work here? Or? kind of a weird thing right now and say, I was what like, are you yeah and i'm just like mm-hmm. yeah it's i don't know what's going on yeah so luckily it did turn into an actual job and uh i was uh the prep cook there and you know basically that was just like great to nail down your the fundamentals of cooking of learning how to make a bunch of stuff of sure just anything and uh you know, there was it was kind of a, a down period for the restaurant at that time where a lot of people who were had been coming in the two or so years previous to that had kind of like not weren't coming around so much anymore. And uh we we're basically trying to figure out a lot of people are trying to figure out like, all right, how can we kind of turn this around and what what's gonna happen here? Like we really need to get back up to where we were before. And Around that same time, Brian had planned to move back to Rochester. So he came in uh, initially just to kind of help out and just be around and be like, hey, you know, this is, let's get you guys back up on your feet type of thing. Mm-hmm. And shortly into that time, Wolf, who was the chef, had then just quit and said, I don't want to do this anymore. And <laughs> this is your job now. And Brian, being the guy that he is, instead of just saying, like, well, I'm not doing that. Just said, okay, um, yeah, sure. So that's when he became <laughs> the chef the second time. And it was, it was so, which, you know, it was lucky for me because that was really the start of when, you know, him and I started working together. He kind of took me under his wing and really just showed me a lot of stuff that, you know, cooking techniques, just sort of the idea of just continuing to learn and really the thing early on that happened is that he let me borrow a copy of the book heat by bill buford Hmm, haven't heard of um it's a really great read it starts with this guy who meets mario batali at a dinner party Hmm. and then it goes on to he becomes fascinated with batali and he's like i want to do a stage in your kitchen and so he does that and then he He's just sort of fascinated this entire time, uh, just learning as much as he can about food. And this guy's just a writer. He's not like a cook necessarily. Um, but the whole thing is just that it comes down to this idea of just constantly being the student and continuing to learn 
and look for things that you can you don't know about that you can learn more about continuing to improve the skills that you do have uh and just reading that book i remember really inspired me and that was what kind of in my head set me on the path for the next several years to where we are now is just that i just want more each time and i want to keep learning more and, and and now it's at a point where along the way i learn more but i get to teach people more as well sure and that's fun and you know there are times when i show uh my cooks certain things and then they maybe show me a better way to do something and that's what's really fun for me is when someone else comes up and shows me something so yeah i mean and that's that's still it's still a big rise in a short amount of time it, yeah I mean, even just becoming, you know, like the sideman to, you know, a chef at a pretty, I mean, at that point, you know, it was, like you said, there was a bit of a down period, but at the same time, there has been a rebound, and the Alhaus is a very well-regarded restaurant right now, and some really consistently good food, both on the vegetarian, vegan, Mm -hmm. and the meat side of things. Yeah. And, I mean, that was definitely, like, a... It was, I don't know, it was something where there was a limited amount of people there and Brian and I were kind of the only two people who cared at a certain point or cared enough at least to like, hey, we really want to make this how it was, like bring this up to a certain standard and really just put out good food that you can be proud of. That's not, there's no sort of pretension there. Just like, I just want to make something that, I enjoy that tastes good and I want you to enjoy it with me. Right. And, uh, yeah, I guess it was like, you know, from there I basically worked prep shifts for a while. I worked, uh, the lunch line where we do just, you know, a basic sandwich menu of really learned how to just hold it down on a line by myself or with other people. And then just started working at night, uh, and doing dinners and, just trying to figure out every single part of the restaurant that I could possibly learn Hmm. down from working all the stations to learning how to do basic ordering and inventory, all these boring day-to-day things that you don't even think about that are now just so much a part of my everyday life that I can't think about not doing them. Right. And they have to be. Yeah. It's one of those things that, you know, it's, when when you don't have necessarily the you know an education background, mm-hmm. it's so important to prove that you can be that Absolutely. person. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I have a high school diploma, and that's it. And I've just I made the choice not to go to college, and I read a lot on my own, and just I don't know, constantly I'm looking for things to. Oh, I don't know how to do this. Let's figure it out. And I just try and show that to other people like, yeah, I mean, I don't know how to do this right now, but I'm going to figure it out. And then next week I'll show you that I can do it. Yeah. And you have to bust your ass basically. <laughs> yeah. You have uh, to prove to them that you know, it doesn't matter where I came from. I sure. will do whatever it takes. Yeah. And that's basically how I've tried to, to encounter most situations is just kind of like, well, if I don't, if I can't figure it out, I'll, I will eventually. Yeah. And I'll show you that I can do it. Yeah, and also not being afraid to ask the question. Yeah, definitely. Especially when you have you know somebody who's willing to teach you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, w- what is it about working in the kitchen? I mean, 
obviously you've been doing it for a while. What is it about working in the kitchen that grabbed you and made you want to stay there? Um, I don't know. It was just something that it was always fun. I guess there's a certain joy in it. Even the menial tasks of dicing vegetables for hours at a time was still like in my head. It was just something that kind of clicked where I was like, I just like it. And then there was a certain time during that period after I'd started working in kitchens where I worked at a pawn shop for for a couple months. Interesting. It was just so boring and awful, and I hated it so much. And I'd come in every day and just sit there, and people would try and sell me these cell phones that they like found on a table at Java's, and I would just be like, five bucks. Where's yeah. the charger? Yeah, <laughs> these, exactly. And I and I remember working there and thinking, man, this is terrible. Like, why am I even doing? Is this this is like something I can do instead of working in kitchens? Why would I even do this? Right. Unless you're on a reality show, it's pretty much <laughs> it's just pretty, an awful job. And I ended up getting fired from that job because I didn't come in one day, and I was just like, you know what? Whatever. Like, I'm not gonna do this bullshit anymore. I'm just gonna stick. To food, and I'm just gonna get as good as I possibly can, and that's just what I'm gonna do. I think I just at that point needed needed some kind of like purpose or drive, and that's just what I found was like something that you can basically endlessly improve on throughout your entire life, and just always be discovering and learning more about. And to set that as the focus of your sort of journey it was seemed like a good idea i mean it's been working out so far i guess absolutely so, so that was i guess yeah i just kind of fell into it and then just realized after a certain point that like i don't even know if i can do anything else but i'm pretty doing pretty good at this and i think i can get better so maybe i'll just do that yeah well i think that constant improvement is important no matter what you do mm-hmm. and for those without that it, it's kind of I don't know, you, you kind of lose something if you're not always trying to find something new, trying to improve on whatever you're doing. Yeah. Because it's, I don't know, it's, I, I found I was, it was difficult for me for a long time when I didn't have that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I spent a lot of time, you know, borderline depressed sitting around watching, you know, oh, yeah. endless Netflix and TV Absolutely. shows and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And it's awful because yeah. I didn't have that drive. I didn't have that thing to go do. Oh, yeah. Or that, you know, passion project. Mm-hmm. And it's, it changes your life. Oh yeah, I know that feel, bro. Yeah, absolutely. I've, it, yeah, been there. Yeah, because it really does change your life in a lot of ways. I mean, I mean, I can't imagine you know going from, I mean, no offense to Soul Burrito, but a place oh, yeah. I would never go to, right? And you know, starting there and moving to you know what is really one of the mainstays now in the Rochester restaurant scene. Yeah, both from a food perspective, from a drink perspective, and from a you know cutting edge perspective on what they're doing Mm -hmm. it's i don't know it has to be kind of rewarding i'd imagine yeah it's really rewarding and uh it is now the more we talk about it the more i actually think about it and it's like yeah it is kind of crazy also how quickly the time goes by yeah and how quickly how quickly that's all happened um 
but yeah, it's it's been super rewarding, yeah. and it continues to be on a daily basis. Sure. So you mentioned vegan. Um, the first time I heard you talk was on the radio with Evan Dawson. Yeah. Um, albeit briefly, in in between, lots of other people oh, talking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the guy from the Vegan Society who called in. I mean, I, I have nothing against like I've heard him on the show a lot of times. Yeah. He loves to talk. Sure. He loves to talk, and especially yeah. about the vegan society. I mean, he's vegan, and he, yeah, I, that's what you do when you're vegan, too, is a lot of talking about <laughs> being vegan, and that's great. I mean, we were all there to talk about that that day. Sure. But, yeah, you know, it was fun. It was a really good time. Uh, way different than this, but also, I mean, this is more fun. But sure. <laughs> it but, I mean, was fun I, in its own regard. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I was on a few weeks ago, and I had a blast. And it's it's a very different thing, you know. This is completely different completely different radio than what he's doing. Yeah, of course. I mean, that's so fast. And, you know, we can sit here and relax a little bit. Mm -hmm. But what I want to talk about is the the whole vegan thing. You mentioned you were vegan for, you know, a period before whenever you started. Um, How long were you and uh, how did that start for you? Um, I was vegan for a while. At first, it was like I was vegetarian and then kind of on and off vegan for, uh, I don't even know, starting when I was like 19 or something like that until I was about 20, 24 maybe, mm-hmm. something like that. It was a good five or six years, I feel like. Uh, and a bulk of that was was just being totally vegan. Um I think initially it started with just not, I don't know, not wanting to be as a political thing almost of not wanting to be part of that, uh, causing the suffering of animals and things like that. The normal things. Sure. Angsty teenage, late teenage things like I'm going to be a fucking vegan now, man, because I'm (laughs) because your heteronormative society bums me out. Yeah, exactly. I'm not going to do that stuff. And, uh, then it just continued for a while of like health reasons. I've learned more about it of reading about factory farming and things like that. And uh, there is a book that's one of the like real cornerstones of veganism uh, called Diet for a New America. And it's basically just all about the far reaching consequences of the way that people eat in everyday society, almost like an omnivore's dilemma, but written several years before that. Right, which is also a great book. Mm-hmm. I, I read that myself. It's a yep. fascinating picture of yeah the long-ranging effects of... Yeah, exactly. That I, it's, I think mostly factory farming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's a lot about that. Yeah, just, you know, there's all these things that people don't think about that go into their food. And so I, I just, you know... As the more that I researched that, the more I was like, "Yeah, I'm just going to be vegan, and I'm not. I don't want to be a part of this part of society." Um, and I did that for a really long time, and then it came to a point where part of me thought that if I continued that, I wouldn't be able to go further in improving my cooking and my skills because there was this whole set of tools that I was never using, where it was like. I was always finding substitutes for things or figuring out how to make things vegan, but without ever figuring out how to actually make that thing in the first place. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like sk- skipping this weird step in the middle. Uh, and I just wanted to, 
I had just become so fed up at a certain point where I would go out and, you know, I'd have to pick like one thing off a menu of, you know, 10 or 15 things and be pigeonholed into this area and was like, I would get mayonnaise or cheese on something and I'd be really pissed about it for like a day. And <laughs> Not like five minutes no, a whole like, day. Like it would ruin my day and I'd just be like, man, seriously? And at a certain point, the, what I always say is I just wanted to stop being afraid of food and just embrace it and be like, if I eat something that I don't necessarily want to eat, instead of getting mad about it, I'm just going to be like, cool. So I just ate that whatever yeah and just kind of like i don't know i wanted to just do absolutely anything although i think that's a good point i think it's it's hard you know especially with doing restrictive diets and doing everything else being that being afraid of food being afraid of what you're eating yeah it's really easy to be that nowadays for sure and it's hard it's like yeah it get that's the danger of that it's just like sort of pigeonholing yourself into this spot where you only want to eat these certain things. You get this group of comfort foods and you just surround yourself with that and that's all you want to eat. And people do this thing sometimes where, you know, they're all about like the sort of soy-based meat replacements and things like that. And it's like, but just eat, if you want to eat a plant-based diet, just eat a giant bowl of vegetables <laughs> or that are so much more delicious and there's so many more things you can do with that than this block of like processed soybeans that is good-ish for you. I mean, it's not bad necessarily, but definitely compared to other things you could be eating, it's not the best. Yeah, I think that's my least favorite thing about um, vegan things. I've had some and I, you know, it's not to say I completely dislike them. Yeah. You know, I've had some good food at the Red Fern that was substitutes. Oh, I've for had sure. Some yeah. Good substitutes. I have no issue with them in general. It's just I, I completely agree with that. Like embrace the vegetables. Yeah, definitely. If you want to eat vegan food, make make it what I do. I make a lot of soups for lunch. Mm-hmm. You know, I make my own stock. I make my own base. Yeah. I do everything from scratch. Well, you can use all the great ingredients. You can use the mushrooms. You can use the leeks. Yeah. You can use all the onions and garlic and make something delicious. Yeah, it's so much more rewarding that way too. Just right, seeing. Being able, anything that you make for yourself always tastes more delicious than something that you, you know, bought in a store and just microwaved or whatever. Yeah. Well, and it's how great is it to go to the, you know, public market or the Brighton market or whatever market's local to you? Yeah. And just grab vegetables and eat them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now is the best time, too. Yeah. Like, uh, I never really got into, I was never a big tomato guy until this year. And I got, some of the most beautiful heirloom tomatoes from uh, Bolton Farms out in Hilton. You know, Bolton's a great, it's a great outfit. Oh, yeah. He's, uh, I just recently started working with them, with John, and uh, yeah, great. Everything that they bring us is so beautiful and so delicious. Yeah. Uh, and just well, really good people to work with. Yeah, not to mention, I mean, how else are you going to get real greens in the wintertime yeah other than shipping oh, yeah. them across the country if you're not exactly. buying from buying from john and for those that don't know uh, uh bolton farms they're a hydroponic farm um and they also do stuff out of the ground like you know the, oh yeah yeah like they the have tomatoes. a lot of soil growing too right but you know their big core competency is greens and herbs and uh, you know lettuces and arugulas and everything else they grow hydroponically and yeah. you can get fresh greens in the wintertime which 
is such a boon for local based restaurants. Oh yeah, uh, you know, like the it's Owl House, wonderful. or I know, um, I know Lento uses a lot of their greens. Mm-hmm. Other restaurants use a lot of their greens. Yeah, so, yeah, and that was the thing talking to John too the first time was he made a point of saying, you know, we harvest fifty two weeks a year, and I just switched the restaurant over to totally using only New York State arugula, which is easy right now, oh, but in a couple months, uh, all that's going to go bye-bye. And as soon as he said that, I was like, wait, really? And he's like, yeah, even off-season, like, I have fresh arugula the entire year. And it's good. And it's really good. It right. is some of the best arugula I've ever tasted. It's, like, not, just, it's not just, you know, yellowed and tiny yeah. and spindly. It's no. actually... It's solid. It has a nice pepperiness, but it's not over like you know overgrown arugula. Yeah, absolutely. It's a perfect balance for really serving is. in a restaurant. Yeah. Um, but we kind of got off of what I was saying was just that I never really enjoyed tomatoes, and I got this beautiful, delicious heirloom tomato from him, and all I did was just take it, cut some slices off, salt it, and make just a mayonnaise and tomato sandwich, and it was oh. like. Oh my God! It was a revelation of like, why have I not been eating tomatoes every day? Sure. This is absolutely incredible. <laughs> and you know, I like using tomatoes and things, but it's like it's one of those things that I never, on my own, would make for myself or really enjoy. Aside from using it as an ingredient, like a salsa or something like that. But right. I'm not just one of those people who's like, oh yeah, I want a burger with tomato, and I want a sandwich with the toma- tomatoes on everything, that type of thing. Well, I think the worst part about tomatoes is that, you know, they are good for an entirety of like six weeks. Yeah. Maybe eight weeks yeah, for right. the entire year. Yeah. And, and yet people, they're constant, they're completely ubiquitous in like oh, every single worst. sandwich shop and restaurant. Yeah. It's something that should not be eaten except for basically now, which is maybe the start of August to like mid September. Yeah. Ish. I mean, there's always plus or minus depending on the season. Yeah, of course. You know, if it's a beautiful growing season, you might get eight weeks or a little more. Yeah. It's a short one like this one. We only get four weeks of tomatoes. Yeah. And when they're perfect, when they're, you know, my favorite, I've mentioned before, I'm probably, you know, repeating myself over and over again. Like, uh, you know, the tomato salad at Aunt Rosie's was Mm -hmm. the best thing I had all last year. Yeah. Super simple. But, you know, these tomatoes are candy-like almost. They're oh, yeah. so sweet. You know, some of these uh, things from uh, Southern Exposure Farms, uh, uh, the Marty Meats-related farm on top of the roof, um, and uh, some from uh, Pachamama Farms. And they're mm-hmm. just so good. You know, some are so meaty. Some are just candy sweet. Oh, yeah. And it's – there's such a variety of tomatoes. Mm-hmm. You even and get notes of just like sort of tart and bitterness and yeah. Oh yeah. Eating a handful of like heirloom tomatoes that you've chopped and made into something, just getting all that variety is the most delicious thing yeah. in the world. And that does bring me to yeah, just what I would call my slight rant of the day is there's varieties of everything, people. <laughs> I mean, you you buy a tomato, it's not just a tomato. And one that I know people, most people don't know about is the blueberries. Yeah. So blueberries, there are multiple varieties of blueberries. Like you go to the store, you, oh, I'm just buying blueberries. Oh, that's all they ever are. Yeah, just blueberries, yeah. blue things. Right. You go to a farm and there's, you might have six, seven different kinds. And we did that in Vermont. And it was amazing how different they are. 
and for completely different uses. Some are great mm-hmm. for pies. Some are great for eating. Some are great for putting in pancakes. Yeah, but they're all they're all blueberries, and people don't realize that there's different varieties, and that you should pay attention. Yeah, absolutely. I Things have ten. I mean, yeah, that's just a general thing that we've done to ourselves in the last. 50 years as a food society is just to homogenize things in that way. Yeah. Um, something, though, that for the last, you know, since what, probably the late 90s or so, mm-hmm. even that we've started to come back away from that it is one of the best things about making food now is just the fact that people are so on with the, with, yeah, which is actually growing real food that's really great to eat. And fun to work with and things like that. Mm-hmm. It does make your life a lot easier, doesn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, even just within the past, like, five years, the accessibility of basically any restaurant to become sort of this, quote-unquote, like, farm-to-table-ish restaurant right. has become so easy. Uh, I use a lot of um, the Headwater Food Hub that's run through the Good Food Collective, yeah, I've heard they, a lot of good things about them. They make it so incredibly simple to get access to local, really good local ingredients from local organic farms or farms that use organic practices. And right. Not everyone is, that brings into the whole certified organic game, but that's a, another conversation. Well, I mean, I'd like for you to do a quick summation before we go on to the rest of it, just, just for everybody, because okay. I, I think it's an interesting topic. So... Basically, there's things that are certified organic. That means this place, this farm, or mushroom farm, or whatever. You know, this this place has passed all these government certifications to be labeled and sold as something that's organic. Um, all their practices and soils and everything. They've this has all been rigorously tested in order to gain this certification. Uh, then there's a lot of farms that use what's called just organic practices and you couldn't see but i just did some air quotes uh so (laughs) what so how that goes is these people are using real soil with no chemicals and no pesticides and they're doing things right but they also don't necessarily follow maybe all the rules that go into this organic certification or people who don't even want to go up for this organic certification. Um, Cause it does cost money too. You got to yeah. pay to be, Oh yeah, the of course you got to pay to play. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so these are people who are doing things the right way. They want you to know that there's no trickery in, in what they're giving you, but at the same time they're being honest and letting you know, we're not organically certified. Um, you know, to go back to like Bolton farms, like, John Bolton was very honest and he was like, uh, I'm not organically certified, but you know, you can feel free to tell everyone, your customers and everybody, like we do things the right way. Uh, we use organic soil. We don't use pesticides. We use ladybugs and we're not trying to hide that from anyone, but we just do it the right way, the way that it needs to be done. Well, and you can go out and check. Yeah. Exactly. You can go out and visit, yeah, and see what he's doing, and he'll show you, yeah, because, for sure. you know, why wouldn't he? Yeah, he's because, got nothing to hide. He's right. just growing great food. Yeah, and I was reading the other day, and the reason why I wanted to go into it a little bit was um, about foraged goods, because mm-hmm. foraging is becoming more and more oh, yeah. popular right now. Yeah, for especially sure. for things you can't you can't you know grow. Yeah, 
you know, the, some of the mushrooms that you mm-hmm. can't get otherwise and, you know, whatever else you're foraging, whether it's different, you know, greens, you know, ramps in the... Ra- of course, ramps. Ramps in the springtime. G- garlic scapes. Exactly. fiddleheads. Right. Uh, all I mean, that stuff, yeah. You're, you're missing out. foraged. Right, and you say, are they, are they organic? Well, no. No, not They're really. wild. Yeah. They're wild. They're not organic, and they can't be because they can never be certified because they grow wildly. They grow where yeah. they're supposed to grow. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, oh, ramp season is, uh, that's always a fun time. It really you, is, isn't it? You st- at the start, for people who don't don't know about how fun the comedy and tragedy of ramp season. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it's so short. And at first... And it starts starts right at the beginning of springtime. Right at spring. It's like the essential springtime, that first springtime food. It's like... Oh man, spring's starting to hit. What are we gonna eat? Oh, uh, ramps and asparagus, and yep. <laughs> that's everywhere on every menu. And mm-hmm. at first, the beginning is like when a ramp's coming around. Hey, they're asking all your produce guys and your connections. Hey, you got any? You got a lead on ramps? When a ramp's coming in? Oh, I can ship ramps from uh, California in two weeks. How much is that gonna cost me? <laughs> uh, okay, okay, no, one more week. Okay, I'll wait. And then the ramps start coming around. And you just watch these prices that start relatively high in the beginning, just slowly decline for the entire season. Ramps are everywhere. Two weeks in, everybody's got r- multiple ramp components on every dish. Mm-hmm. Three weeks, three weeks into it, more ramps. You're using up ramps in anything you possibly can. People are coming <laughs> around every other day. These guys, these guys with like dreadlocks and a beard, and sometimes old men with like look like they've been living in a shack in the wood for 20 years. <laughs> they all come to your restaurant and they all have these baskets or coolers or whatever. And they're all like, you want ramps? I got ramps. Look at these things. And they're all every day. They're coming around more and more as the season starts to decline because everybody's got so many ramps at this point. Cause right. we've all been hoarding all our ramps all season and everybody else has been foraging so many that they just got to get rid of them. Cause what are you going to do if they go bad, then you just wasted your time. Right. So you just watch as this slow decline happens throughout the, it's really only a few weeks long that they're around for. And uh, yeah, and then you get the guys at the very end of the season coming by in their dusty van with their ramps in the back. Hey, man, uh, I'll do five bucks a bunch. (laughs) Just (laughs) really trying to just get something out of you for these ramps. Yeah. And at this point, you're like, yeah, whatever. Give them to me. I'm going to use them in a soup next week or something i don't even care <laughs> right at the end you're just, you're just throwing you're just in everything throwing them in yeah at the end you're just taking the last bundle and staring at them in disgust and then you're like i'll throw this in the stock pot oh that's so sad <laughs> but it's, it, it does it does offer those opportunities because it's such a short a short season that brings into the the whole canning and fermenting oh, yeah, and definitely. all the other stuff yeah have you do you guys mess around with the the fermenting at all and uh i do sometimes just um for fun, yeah. Not necessarily is something as so much as that I do for product for the restaurant. We do like pickles and stuff, but the pickles that we do are sort of quick pickles, like um, just quick hot pickling. Right, they're like almost that. bread and butter, like. Oh yeah, absolutely, you know? and not not a lot of. Uh, we're not saving those generally to can and jar right. them for later. Um, they go fast enough that that's not really necessary. Sure, but yeah. Uh, 
I like to just mess around at home with that stuff. Um, I bought a dehydrator right after I got uh, the Bar Tartine cookbook because I oh, started heard, yeah. reading that. Yeah, if you don't have it, you absolutely need to have it. I've That's heard essential such a good thing about that one. Any cook especially needs to have that on their bookshelf. Anyone who cares about food at all really or is interested in learning <laughs> about food should definitely look at it because it's awesome. And the first whole part of it is all about like drying things out and making these powders and spice mixes from them. Like things you wouldn't even think about, like uh, grilled scallions, grilling green onions, and then just leaving them to dry in the dehydrator for like 18 hours. Then you crumble them down into a powder and then you use that powder as in spice mixes and it's wow. just got this great like concentrated taste that almost has a like buttery and a little bit of umami on the back of it and it's just this really nice complex taste from something that you eat all the time like scallions and don't even think about like you think oh i know exactly what that tastes like right no that's, that's a great idea and that's that's a fascinating idea of you know just so many different ways to tackle these ingredients nowadays yeah um you know from you know, salt curing to mm -hmm. fermenting, you know, classic style fermenting. Oh, with yeah. Like kimchi style yeah. or sauerkraut style. And you got pickling, you've got drying, you've got uh, bait, and anything. It's, anything. It's, and it's all become so accessible to, yeah. to most people, whereas before this was sort of this weird closed off thing that, you know, people talk to, taught one person to the next about, or would be like, oh, well, you can do this and not really... It was sort of guarded off in a way that it's everything's so accessible to everyone now. And like, I don't know, that dehydrator I bought on Amazon for like 50 bucks or something like that. Sure. Not expensive. And used it to make a bunch of things like that. And uh, my next project now is I just bought uh, five pounds of pork fat back. Ooh, and delicious. And so I'm going to make lardo. Oh, you're going to start curing. I'm going to start curing. I've made, I've done some curing before, like mostly salt curing, uh, like uh, making Gravlax. Um, we've made sure. bacon at the restaurant before with uh, just from scratch with pork belly. Um, but now, yeah, I want to make lardo. That's been a goal of mine for a long time uh, is that I was like, yeah, this seems really weird and cool it's like a way to get somebody to just eat fat oh yeah and it's delicious it's phenomenal I mean, it's <laughs> and i want to i want to like not just be able to enjoy this i also want to just make it for myself and for others to enjoy so that we can be like yeah isn't this cool and guess what i made this yeah i mean uh, it's like the best part when you eat like you know great prosciutto oh yeah just that you know the nuttiness i mean the best one ever had was it was just so nutty you could mm -hmm. taste the hazelnut in the fat yeah and it was like oh <coughs> oh th this this is what cured meat is this is yeah this is how great it can be when you know somebody pays attention and tries to do it the right yeah. way These so just cool. layers of flavor that develop over time oh yeah yeah so that's the uh that's the next one and uh yeah there's you know that stuff's just really fun to play around with. Oh, really? All is, the isn't it? Different preservation methods that there are, and just changing food so completely. Yeah. Um, yeah, and just I really like doing uh, charcuterie in my spare time too. Just sure. playing around with that—that's really fun. What's your uh, um, most successful one so far? Uh, I made the other form of lardo that's more like 
lard butter, basically, mm-hmm. um, where you render down fat, and then uh, I use leaf lard for it. Uh, so you render that down a crock pot over the course of like four hours, strain it, put it into a loaf pan and weight it so that it compresses down into a form like butter. Uh, and then I had mixed in a bunch of seasonings with it. It was actually, uh, I was trying a recipe from the new charcuterie cookbook, Jamie Bissonette's book. Oh, cool. From uh, Toro, Kappa. Which I, I haven't Boston. been to. Yeah, I really want to go there. I've heard been to, that it's incredible. Yeah, I've been to some other places in Boston that I love, but I haven't, yeah. I haven't been to those places yet. Um, but yeah, it was a recipe from his book that was just called Pepperoni Pizza Lardo. So you mix <laughs> in like smoked paprika and a little bit of oregano, and you basically make this fat that you've made into butter and then whipped with seasoning. You make it so that it tastes like a pepperoni pizza goldfish almost. <laughs> that sort of style of... Of seasoning and uh, that was really fun. It's like haute, haute, fans, haute uh, uh, fast food yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's that's another thing that I enjoy a lot. Is just the sort of clash between things that are completely like should be just relegated to the sort of greasy spoon di- greasy spoon diners and things that are sort of this other elevated form of food. The clash between those two things and just. Like making a really nice, disgusting burger that's got like bacon you cured yourself on it, and like an egg from a farm that's you know uh, just ten miles down the road. Right, with a beautiful orange yolk. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, cheese that you got from uh, from a local creamery from a creamery in Ithaca, and yeah. uh, just like this really nice greasy dripping burger with bacon and eggs and cheese on it but all these things are really good and local and delicious and you've made a bunch of them yourself and it's just so good yeah well i think those are those are the eye-opening events like oh you don't have to be prissy about your food yeah you can you can eat great and you can eat ethically and you can eat locally yeah and and you can still do all these insane disgusting bordering on disgusting <laughs> things that you've always wanted to do oh absolutely so i always tend to go in this direction is so uh are you from the area i don't know if you're from rochester yeah yeah i'm from uh i grew up in the suburbs over in fairport actually so okay um yeah and i've been here my whole life basically just uh kicking around in different parts of the Rochester area. Sure. So I guess I, I was going in the direction of what what places, you know, obviously you're you're a busy guy. Yeah. But when you're going to eat, like where where do you go to eat? It doesn't matter if it's sit down, take out, cheap, expense. I don't care. Yeah. I love everything. Yeah. Um I have a couple go tos. Uh I always am one of the people who prefers new Ming over old Ming. That causes a lot of controversy with some people. Absolutely, uh, yeah. That's I've. <laughs> I used to live right next to then to the new yeah. one. I was on one of the streets over yeah. there, and I would go there, and it, I thought it was actually pretty good. Oh yeah, but I love it. Yeah, uh, and I mean nothing against Old Ming because that's great too, but there's this weird ever. There's always been for years this weird sort of like New Ming versus Old Ming thing with people where. You say that like, oh, I just prefer going to New Ming more, and they're like, oh, are you kidding me? So for Why? those that don't know, yeah, New, New Ming's over on Monroe, um, right, right by Culver. Yeah, Monroe right by Culver. Culver. And Old Ming is 
kind of like South Clinton, right over near Shiki. Yeah, South right Clinton, the just same area. Of yeah, Shiki. just east of Goodman. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I've, I've definitely heard both sides of things, but yeah. almost always are, it's the other side. Yeah. Oh, yeah. People who, who like Old Ming are, are super diehard for it. And I think early on, I just was really, I don't know, something about it. I was like, whatever, I'm, I'm going to be the other guy. I'm going to be the guy who's that diehard, but for new Ming. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like people that just do that. Also, <laughs> yeah. it's fun to do stuff like that just because nobody else agrees right, with you. Right, just to be that contrarian with them of like, nope, I'm just going to disagree with you. Yeah, I, I do like <laughs> I, I do like being a pain in the ass like <laughs> that sometimes. <laughs> Most of the time I just believe what I believe in, but yeah. sometimes sometimes it's just so fun to be the contrarian. Oh, yeah, oh, absolutely. Um but yeah, that's definitely one of my go-to spots. Uh, also, because now I live right by there. Yeah, it's so not. It's a nice area, isn't it? Now that yeah, and uh, I mean, it was it was always a spot that I'd go to a lot before. But now that I can like walk over to there, sure. It's like, well, yeah, of course I'm gonna get this. Why right. would I not? Um, and uh, sort of along those lines, Dogtown, I always go to. Sure, that's a, that's a perennial favorite. Because that's always a staple um, for. Let's see. Uh, I just went for breakfast yesterday to uh, Atlas Eats, and that was phenomenal. Isn't it such a cool it place? It was so good. And like with the thing, one of the things that I tend to do uh, at restaurants, like mostly if I'm going there for a sit down experience, like places like Dogtown and Ming, I have my sort of set meals of what I get. It's usually always takeout, um, but. For other places, it's always a sort of thing where it's like, I don't know if, when I'm going to come back here again because I don't know when I'm going to go out to eat for like a nice sit-down meal where I'm going to be able to go wherever I want and not just eat a frozen pizza before I pass out or something <laughs> like that. And so I, I like to just get a lot of food. And sometimes that means like before the meal, I'll spend the day eating way less so that I'm starved, or sometimes I just work myself into this mindset where I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get as much food as I can right now. I'm gonna eat everything that's put in front of me. I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna like do as whatever I want. Eat all this food, and yeah. we'll sort the me- the rest of this out later. Sort the sort the mess out later. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and uh, so yeah, I went to Atlas on a Sunday. Um, and it was great. I got the kimchi pancakes, which oh. were, f- oh, my God, they so were good, amazing. Right? So good. The, like, dragon sauce that they put on it is mm-hmm. just so delicious. Uh, and then I got um, their biscuits and gravy, sure. which were also really good. And they had a special sandwich that day, which was like a, a Hawaiian breakfast sandwich with Spam, mm-hmm. grilled pineapple, tomato, fried egg. Uh, that was really good too. That sounds delicious. Oh yeah, it was great on a, like a homemade Kaiser roll. Yeah, it was nice. Uh, nice leftovers from their dinner from yeah, the night yeah. before. Uh, I mean, I, whenever someone says that they have spam to serve you, then that's like a yeah. I'm definitely gonna get whatever there's spam on. Oh, of course. If you have, if you, if you went out of your way to get that, then I'm definitely gonna gonna buy it. Hundred percent. So I got all that, and then of course I had to bring home food from my girlfriend and uh got us a nice little uh i think it was called a russian braid yeah it was like these this loaf 
It's like a basically the size of a bread loaf, but it's this sweet bread, almost like a cinnamon roll, just twisted up with almond paste and this delicious icing all over the top of it. Mm-hmm. I got the half size one. I should have just gotten a full one because I think it's already gone <laughs> a day later. But <laughs> at the time, I was so full. I was so full from the rest of this meal that I just thought, oh, there's no way that I can possibly eat this entire loaf of delicious sweet bread. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, that happened later. So. Yeah, no, it's it's one of those places that I can't recommend enough. Yeah. And the crazy thing, like, everything you ate, it's really cheap. It's really cheap. I got all all that food that I just read off, plus I got a cold brew to drink, uh, and it was like just under forty dollars, which is ridiculous. Which is absolutely insane. I yeah. ate the food of like four people just then. <laughs> or I ate the food of like three people and ordered food for a fourth person. Yeah, and it was forty bucks. And especially yeah. since they're making like everything in house. Yeah, they're curing their own kimchi. They're, oh yeah. Oh, it's it's yeah. It's one of those it's places. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, the thing that I love too is like looking. Their kitchen looks beautiful, but it is just being able to look in there, and there was just nothing but women working in the kitchen, and mm-hmm. that is like, uh, I love to see it. I now is the last several years have been such a great time for restaurants starting to come away from that period that's been in swing since the '90s of this like machismo bullshit that chefs have to have of like big puffed out chests screaming at everyone and like women have slowly been coming more and more into the kitchen and that's awesome absolutely and, and it does it, it's weird you know for so long I'm, i've never been in the industry but what people always say it was always pastry it was only pastry yeah and now it's people who have a passion for cooking yeah people have a passion for serving people food and it's what it should be. I mean, if you care, if you have passion, you should be where you should be. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you have to be able to work hard. You have to be able to do what everybody else does, but... Yeah, it's, but that's it. it. Yeah, that's exactly. not that hard to do. No, it's you not. definitely do it. Absolutely. And yeah, that's it's such a cool place when you're walking around. You're like, oh, oh yeah. the only guy who's here sometimes is her dad. Yeah. And yeah. that's it. Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the food, the food was so good. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was my first time going there and I was blown away and I definitely want to go there again many more times. Mm -hmm. Uh, another spot that I go to somewhat regularly is like, uh, I'll go to the revelry and usually just by myself to just eat at the bar because they're fools, (laughs) crazy fools. It's an an odd place to be. And I I actually like going to places like that by myself. Yeah, definitely. I I really... Like, I've been there with people and eating at tables, and that has its own charm and stuff. But sitting at the bar and having uh, Zach come over to you and just, hey, man, what's up? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, cool, let's party. Yeah. Type of stuff. It's like that's got its whole other sort of weird charm to it that I also enjoy. Yeah, Zach does have a weird charm. Doesn't <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I love Zach. I, I had him and uh, Donnie uh, Clutterbuck from uh, Cure yeah. over here not that long ago. And oh, very nice. They're just they're great guys. They so are. much energy. Oh yeah. I don't no, know. They're how absolutely they do. insane. It's it's bounce off the walls kind of energy. Oh yeah. I'm, I don't know where it comes from. I've never had that much energy no. in my whole life. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea where these guys get it from. It's just like insane. And Donnie. He's also a really amazing bartender. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, him too. They're they're both like that, which is like this. 
crazy energy all the time. Oh, it's astounding. I'm so excited no I just, matter what. I don't know how it works. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean those are those are all great places and all great at different things. Yeah. And I, I find that's one of the more rewarding things is getting to meet those kind of people. Oh yeah. Definitely. And um you know, going going to places like that or you know, I think I've mentioned it before, but somewhere like uh, like Vula's, which is right down oh, the yeah. street from you Love guys. Vula's. Um, just meeting these great people and yep. getting to know them a little bit has been—it's such a rewarding thing. Yeah, and getting to match up with people that had, that really care about what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing that about like also being in Rochester for so long is seeing a lot of this start to spring up, as far as just a community of people who really. I don't know. They just want to make the best food they possibly can. Sure. And it's not always the most exciting thing ever, but it's really has this honesty to it that you have spots like Vula's, which is just great. And she's the sweetest person ever. Absolutely. She's so great. Um, and, uh, you know, even like the food truck scene here too. There's just so much of a, this is not like a big city really at all. No. And it's not really like a restaurant or cocktail city necessarily either from the outside perspective. But to all of us who are here, there is that sort of scene. And I think it means a lot to everyone. And that shows to everyone on the outside of that is like these things are really, people are putting really sincere effort into these things. And it makes it really enjoyable. It makes it really good. Yeah. I think that's a good point. I think a lot it's sincere effort. Yeah. You know, on on the ground floor. And of course there's businesses and people that are running it as such, but there's so many people, and not just in the restaurant industry, in you know, in uh, other sorts of service industries, you know, the clothing shops and the Yeah. Yeah, definitely. The people just doing cool things because that's what they are. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a you and you're right it's it's this authentic yeah effort and it, it's not it's not for show it's just because no. it's what they want to do yeah i think one of the best uh the best examples of just putting that kind of energy forth recently is uh i don't know if you've been to any of the rory's ugly duck pop-ups i have i love it it's awesome uh rory van Grohl started ugly duck coffee he Initially, the plan was to open up uh, a coffee shop and, mm -hmm. you know, ran into some problems along the way. Of That's course, like most, most people trying to open a small business for the first time. And instead of letting that decide his fate of like, OK, well, I guess I tried to make my dream happen and, and it failed. He decided, OK, well, I guess I'm still going to make it happen. And had this awesome table made, custom made for him that he can just break down and put in the back of a car. Yep. Uh, made made by, over at Stash. Yeah. Right, which is if you've seen basically, you know, light wood furniture basically anywhere <laughs> yeah. in Rochester, yeah. it's it's his. Yeah, if you've ever been to a Shake Shack, right. that's, that's, all, all. <laughs> that's all them. Right. Uh, just a, another really great local company really trying to do things the right way. And... He has it set up, Roy has it set up so that he can literally just do a pop-up coffee shop wherever he wants. And it started off slow, and now it's really starting to build steam in the last couple of weeks where he's doing, like, a lot of pop-ups each week. And yeah. people love it, and they're really responding to it. 
and seeing how much joy he's getting out of it, I think is part of the reward. Anytime you stop by, he's so excited to see you. Yeah, and he he's one of those truly authentic, happy people. Yeah. Which um, sometimes it's hard for me to understand. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, he is... He is very happy. I've seen him when he's not happy, too. Yeah. And, and there's definitely that side. But he is, sure. like, when he's doing things that he wants to do and he's in that environment, like, making coffee for people in that and doing just doing what he loves and people are sending that energy back at him, he is, like, the happiest, most welcoming guy you could meet. Absolutely. And it's it is, it's so cool. And you should check out Rory's thing. It's uh, Ugly Duck Coffee. And you'll, you'll find him on social media telling people where he's at. Yeah. And he does a scratch bake shop usually at least every, once a week. Every Sunday, usually yeah. scratch. Sunday from like uh, twelve to four. On noon Sundays. to four, yeah. Yeah, it's an easy, nice place to find him on Park Ave. Yeah, and get and some if you m- haven't been to Scratch, then why the hell haven't you been to Scratch? Get yeah. to Scratch Bake Shop, get some sweets, get some macarons. Oh my God, they're yes. so good! I had one the other day that was the most bizarre one I've had yet: pineapple sriracha, and it was, seems yeah. Did you have that? No, but I, I, I'm picturing the flavor in my head. Um, almost yeah. like pimento cheese in the middle. That's weird. Yeah, it was amazing. That's a weird combination, I loved but it. yeah, it sounds crazy. Yeah, and as I was eating it, I bought t- bought two, one to give to my girlfriend. I was like, I don't know if you like this, and she was like, You just eat it. I don't want it. And I was like, No, you need to try this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care if you don't like it. Yeah, you have to try it. It's absolutely incredible. Like, even just, I don't know, just that experience of flavor was like. Wow, yeah, that's great. That's in- really interesting. Yeah, not not macaroons. These are macarons. They're yeah. very different. Don't mess it up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I definitely called them macaroons for the first month or so. We get our desserts from there too. So I talk to Kate and Molly all the time. Mm-hmm. Eventually, Kate had to let me know that I was fucking it up and <laughs> <laughs> not saying the word right. Right. Yeah, really, the core of our thing that, you know, we spend all this time and make all these creative flavors. Yeah. You're ruining it yeah. with, <laughs> with, with your mush yeah. mouth. You're, you're ruining it. Yeah. <laughs> oh. All right. So, I mean, we're coming up an hour. I, I think we covered what we wanted to cover today. Yeah. Is there anything else that's popping for you right now? Any, any other things? Not really. I mean, right. you know, talked about a lot of good local spots and uh, fun stuff that's happening in the Food about town. Oh, look at that! (laughs) Well, let's get let's get Maddie's plugs in there. So, um, do you have your own social media where people can find you? Um, I mean, I do, but that's for me. That's fine. So we're (laughs) not going to talk about that. That's uh, I'm uh, you know, I I like making good food for people, and I like when people uh, enjoy it and they say thank you to me. I also enjoy having my own private thing going on. And Fair point. If, if, if I like you, then we probably already know each other, or if we don't, then just come say hey to me, and maybe we'll hang out sometime. There you go. <laughs> or whatever. But uh, uh, the Owl House, uh, owlhouse.com, and uh, what is it? The Owl House NY is our Instagram Right, it's uh, a little bit different on everything. Yeah, it's uh the thing is there's a lot of owl houses around. There's an owl. I think there's an o- very old post that I found one day uh, that you and made that said tagged the owl house. It just said at the owl house, and it was like a place in Australia. Oh jeez! And they were like, oh yeah, please tag the correct owl house oh, in this God. post. Oh, sort so of, terrible, sort of thing. And it's there's a lot of uh, there's some bird. 
uh, bird sanctuaries. Yeah, Some owl sanctuaries out there <laughs> named the Owl House. Oh God, it's a re- it's real hard, but uh, it is a little different on each thing. Yeah, and uh, I can't even remember what our Twitter is because I never use Twitter. Just but search for Owl House Rochester. <laughs> yeah, Twitter exactly. And, you'll find it. and uh, I mean, honestly, that stuff's great. But the best way to come see us is to just come down to the restaurant, which is located seventy five Marshall Street. Yep, and uh, yeah, just come down. Make a reservation and uh, have a great time. Yeah, and you definitely should make food. a reservation, especially on busy nights. Especially Friday and Saturday. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a busy restaurant on the weekend, and it's somewhere you definitely should be trying out. So. Yeah, um, you know, right now we've got our summer menu going, and uh, in another probably like a month or so, I think. Right, it's not that far to, away. Oh man, it's always so quick. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> but you know what? Uh, I'll take I'll take it when it comes and yeah, enjoy just, it for what it is. Yeah, it's true. I just miss the the summer. It always seems so fleeting, especially in upstate New York. We work yeah. so hard for it all year, yeah. and then it's here and it's gone before you know it. And the next thing you're you know you're just back to butternut squash soup for the next three months. And hey, butternut squash <laughs> soup is delicious. Yeah. Maybe not for three months, but it's delicious. <laughs> you can only have so many rutabagas yeah. before you go crazy. Back to all your root vegetables. Yep. Soon enough. But Tubertown, USA. <laughs> Let's enjoy our tomatoes while we have them, man. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. All right. Thanks for coming over. All right. Thanks for having me. See you.